Y'all got awful quiet. So, uh, John Callan Band doesn't preach to you, but I am. <laughs> Let him do the music, and I'll, I'll do this. How about that? <laughs> be bad if I was doing the music. And it might be bad if he preached. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> okay, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Um, so, what we're doing this morning, I'll just go ahead and go ahead and tell you right up front, is we want to equip people to be ministers of the gospel. So that's, that's my, my goal this morning is to begin help us to do that. Uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, um, the word salvation, the power of God, is uh, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto or to salvation. Salvation in the Bible, if you look up the meaning of the word salvation and how they understood it in the Bible, it means uh, total wholeness and healing. Total wholeness and healing, it means uh, deliverance of your life and preservation of your life. That's, so that's what, it's not... Uh, getting saved and going to heaven only. It is, it is definitely that, but it is your life being totally whole, totally preserved, totally delivered. And that's really God's plan for mankind. Uh, as a Christian, that's God's plan for you. Uh, but what, here's what Paul said. He said the gospel, the gospel, the gospel is, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto these things. In other words... Uh, healing and deliverance and and the gifts of the Spirit, all those things, the gospel is the is the very origin and the very source of those things, and that's the thing that you know that that you know the Lord really wants to bring. I believe the Lord wants to bring us back to the simple message of the gospel, uh, because God really wants us to be preachers of the gospel. God wants us to be people of power, and if we really want to be people of power. The gospel is the source of the power. That's the origin of that's the that's the focus. Romans uh, one, verse eight, right, Brian? It says, "This is what Paul said: God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, whom I serve with my spirit." So it's a spiritual thing in the gospel of His Son. So um, let's read Romans one one. Um, I'm sort of going backwards. <laughs> Paul started at 1, and I started down there at 16 and backed up. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So Paul's calling was an apostle, but he said he served in the gospel. And see, I think, okay, what I feel in my heart and what I see is we have uh, really went after and to be commended. We've went after you know, the healing virtue of Christ for people, the delivering virtue of Christ for people, the prophetic, uh, you name it, the gifts of spirit, all these things, we've went to these things, you know, and I, as I, what I believe is we haven't gone after them hard enough. Okay, we need to pursue those things more, but really what we've went after less in the church is we've went after too little the gospel itself. You see, I don't think we can overdo the fruits of the gospel. And all those things are the fruits, the results of the gospel. I don't think we could ever over, overdo those things. You know, how could we? 
But I think we, we've, we've neglected in some sense the very core message that God, that God has for us because there's the power. And every Christian wants to walk in power, right? Nobody wants to be powerless. I mean, if you do, you messed up, man. You know? So that's really what we... we I believe God really wants to get us back to the gospel because that's where the power is. That doesn't mean we neglect healing. As a matter of fact, this morning after we had this message... You know, I believe that whenever the gospel message is declared, there should be signs following the gospel message. Okay? And, like, healing is a sign of the gospel. And so we had a ministry time for this healing. And David uh, Helton had rotator cuff. He couldn't lift his arm no higher than that. And he was prayed for, and he lifted his arm. And So that's, that's the power of the gospel. Okay? That's the power of the gospel being released and demonstrated. Okay? As a result of what? The gospel. So I believe if we, can, if we put our focus on the gospel, those things will come. They have to come. Are you with me? All right, what the gospel is not. I want to tell you some things it's not. First, everybody knows that this is not one. If you don't, you're going to know it this morning. You're going to be happy you knew it or that you know it. The gospel is not a means of working to establish our own righteousness or seeking to attain our salvation by good works or personal morality. Everybody knows that's not, yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to do that stuff. You know, we, you know, God did all that for us. Uh, so that's not, but here's something I bet you that'll make some, when I said, read that this, this morning, everybody, a couple people really just sort of took a double take at me. The gospel is not the calling of men to repentance and faith. The gospel is not the calling of men and women to repentance and faith. This is the response to the gospel, and this is distinct from the gospel. Repentance and faith. Now think about it for a minute. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There's a difference between preaching the gospel and a person being saved or a person being healed or whatever. Our job is to preach it. God's job is to do the salvation, to do the regeneration, to do the healings, to do the miracles. Our job is the gospel. God has, and I'm going to show you a minute, God's committed the gospel to us, okay, and all the things that come out of the gospel. All right, so that's why it's not a calling to repentance and faith. Those are results of the gospel being preached. And see, sometimes we tend to see, even for the good old gospel preachers of us, we tend to make that, that's it, that's it, the repentance and faith. And that's wonderful. We want to see that just as much as we want to see all the other wonderful things. But really, that's not the gospel. And the Bible, and Paul clearly stated, the gospel is the power of God unto these things. All right, the gospel is not eternal life, believe it or not. <laughs> it's not salvation or any other spiritual blessing, quote, or in parentheses, spiritual gifts. It's not none of those things. These are our inheritance through the gospel, but are distinct from it. Healing is an inheritance through the gospel. Spiritual gifts are an inheritance, but they are not the gospel. They're inheritance. Now, what is the gospel? Okay, what is the gospel? Is everybody good? Are you following me? Now, I just want to give you what it's not. Now, I'm giving you what it is. Remember what I said. What we need to do, and let me just say it one more time, is we have spent a lot of time in the church, and rightfully so, equipping people. Here's how you know God's will. This is how you hear God. This is how you pray for the sick. This is how you help people get delivered from their, their, their bad stuff. Uh, this is how you do... You prophesy and speak words of encouragement and exhortation. We've done a lot of that, and we should continue, and we must continue. But we've not talked to people about being preachers of the gospel. 
We've not done enough of that. We've not equipped them. So that's what we're trying to do. So here's the gospel. The gospel in the New Testament is the good news that God gave His only begotten Son. That's the gospel. As such, God the Father is the author of the gospel. In other words, the Father in heaven determined what the gospel is. He wrote the gospel. Okay? And this is it. The gospel, Jesus Christ, is the decisive content of the gospel. Let me say that one. I love that phrase for some reason. When I think about that, when I think about it, it, it just it cheers me. It, it warms me. It does something. In Jesus Christ is the decisive content of the gospel. It's about Jesus' birth. It is about His life on this earth. It is about His death on the cross. It is about His resurrection from the dead. It is about His ascension into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what the gospel is all about. That's the gospel. That's what God has called us to. Paul said, I serve with my spirit in the gospel. That's what we've been... He said, I've been separated to this. You as a Christian, you have been separated to the gospel whether you realize it or not. That's what God ordained your life for. He may have called you to be a, a Bible teacher. He may have called you to be, uh, you know, a pastor or a prophet or whatever. He may have called you to do all those things, but He separated you to the gospel. And our calling is separate from the gospel in the sense of what we've been, what God's placed us in. And that's where we're to serve. We're not supposed to serve in the church. We're, Paul served in the gospel. You know? That's the real truth. And God wants us to shift our thinking to that way. And it'll make a difference in your life. All right? Um, I wanted to read Acts 28, verse 30 through 31. This is a great verse in the Bible. Great two verses. This is the end of Acts. You know, uh, lots of things happen in the Acts. And, and here's Paul. This is when he was in prison. He was in, in a rented house. They were in prison in a rented house. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Well, this is the truth. You know, when I first got into being a, a, minute, a, a preacher or teacher or whatever it is, I used to look at that verse and think, man, I really wish I knew what he was talking about, what he was teaching on. Wouldn't that be awesome to know what Paul was teaching on? So you could just cheat and get his notes and do that because you know it had to be good and know how it had to be right. Well, it says that he, he preached the kingdom of God and the things concerning Jesus Christ. That's what he was preaching. He was preaching what I just said to you. He was preaching about the birth of Christ, Christ's life on this earth, Christ's death on the cross, Christ's resurrection, Christ's ascension to the end of heaven, and Christ pouring out the Holy Spirit on us. That was the things concerning Jesus. That's the gospel message, and that's what Paul majored on. That was his major. Go and look at the Bible. Just take a look at your Bible, your New Testament, and look at the letters in the Bible, start, start right there at the first ones, you know, Romans, and read what it talks about. It said the word gospel is used a hundred times in the New Testament. The word salvation is used forty-something times. There is innumerable references to the blood of Jesus, to our, our salvation, to all these different things that refer back to the gospel. The Bible, the people who wrote the Bible never forsook it. They never said, well, we're going we're gonna to major on... Uh, Making a mess. We're going to major. We're going to major on uh, being prophets. They never did that. They never forsook the basic thing, the gospel message. 
They never left it. They talked about it. They said we need to do it. They even said how to do some of it. But they never left this core message. They ta- all of them talked about it. All of them. And what are we talking about more? We're not talking about it enough. It's not that we're talking about the other stuff too much. We're not talking about the gospel enough. And if you stay Christian long enough, God will bring you back to the gospel because you'll need Him to because you're going to need some help in your Christian life because you're going to get old and you're going to get tired and you're going to get jaded as a Christian. And the gospel is a thing that will bring passion and fire back into your life. It really will. It really will. So um, let's... um, uh, Let's... uh, What what should we do? Let's think about the word evangelize. That's what let's do. The word ev- this is interesting. Evang- evangelize using the Bible. Okay. If you look at the Greek word for evangelize, it is the same Greek word for the Greek word for gospel. I'm not going to tell you that because I can't pronounce it, and you can look it up if you don't believe me. But it's the truth. The only difference is the word evangelize means to declare the gospel. That's what it means. It's simply that to declare, to preach it, to say it. That's the only difference. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, and this is the question, why don't we preach the gospel more? Why don't we? Now, we need to ask ourselves that question. Why is the church not preaching the gospel more? Why are individual Christians not preaching the gospel more? Well, I have some answers for you, just in case you don't have an answer. Okay, I'm going to give you some common reasons that people don't preach the gospel. I'm going to give you some common reasons why people are not being evangelistic. Some have been discouraged by the shallow results due to the counterfeit or watered-down gospel message. And that message is salvation apart from Christ's lordship. That's a counterfeit message. I, two weeks ago I preached a message, and some people say, that's pretty hard. It's the message. There is no salvation apart from the lordship of Christ. Now, that's the truth. And see, there's a message that's being preached out there in the world today that is not the true gospel. It's a gospel of salvation, a friendly gospel, so to speak, but it's not a gospel of the Lordship of Christ. And if you start studying some of Jesus, he wasn't real friendly with some people about, about it. He put it to them real hard, like, you know, if you want to follow me, this is what you got. He told one guy, you want to, you want to get saved? You want to follow me? You sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you can, you can follow me. That's pretty harsh. That, we don't hear that kind of preaching anymore, but that was what Jesus did. Okay, now he wasn't being mean and being hard, but he was trying to help that man because that man had a lot of greed. Obviously, he was a worshiper of materialism, and Jesus knew that would think that was going to bring that was going to be his downfall. It's going to bring him into hell, and he was saying, "You're going to have to get rid of that." So, I mean, you can't be mean about it, but you got to be truthful about it. All right, some have developed a spectator mentality, like you're going to the game, you know, <laughs> falsely believing that evangelists and other gifted slash call people will do the job. Spectator mentality. The church is full of that. You know, somebody else is going to do it. Well, we go to church, somebody's going to preach to us. Surely there's somebody in the church going to go out and preach to the lost people for us. You know, there's going to, Billy Graham's going to do a crusade for us. You know. So we got this mentality in the church that we're, we don't see it as our personal responsibility. Some, this is another good one. Some feel that God is so emphasizing the church and personal care... <laughs> Right, that one cannot evangelize, and the church is truly mature enough to receive new converts. We just got to get everybody so healthy, then everybody can. That's just a big fat lie from hell, you know, because you will never get everybody healthy enough. 
because I have been a pastor for 15 years from now and some people are just un, unhelpable. <laughs> you know, you can't make them well enough. And you know why they can't be made well enough? Part of the problem with, with us is part of being a healthy Christian is operating under the anointing. God has called every Christian to operate on, under some anointing in their life. And if you're not operating under that anointing, you are going to be unhealthy. And every Christian has an anointing to preach the gospel. Every Christian. In other words, if you are not serving God in some way in the gospel, well, you can't expect to be healthy. You're going to be unhealthy. You're going to get bound up on the inside. And you're going to be constantly going around and around in circles trying to get right. When I believe part of our problem, I believe if we would really start ministering the gospel, doing the ministry God's called us to do, it would solve 80% of our problems. In, 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 inward, the inward things that really mess us up. It would fix a lot of our problems. It would make pastors' jobs a lot easier. I mean, in fact, we'd have 80% more time to do other things. You know, you know, instead of trying to help people all the time, and we want to help people. We want to care for the sheep. We really do want to do that. But one of the best cares that we could ever say to people, listen, there's nothing really wrong with you. Go do what God's called you to do, and it will fix your life more than you realize. I've realized this in my life, okay, on a personal level. When I'm not doing what God wants me to do, I start getting messed up in my mind. I really do. I start thinking crazy stuff. I really do. I start getting messed up and I start feeling it's, it really is like spiritual constipation that happens to me. That's the way it feels to me. I'm all, I start getting, I, it don't, and you know, in a person who has that in the natural, you, don't, you, don't, you know your, your constitution's not right. You know something's wrong with you. So I have found, listen, there's certain things that God wants me to do. I need to be doing those things or I'm going to be messed up because there's this flow in my life when I have it. And that really, you know, contributes to a good character development also. And you're, you might be thinking, well, I don't think you've got good character this morning. <laughs> Come on, y'all supposed to laugh at that. Y'all loosen up here. <laughs> so we want to do this, as I've told my children, they, you know, about having babies. Well, we need to wait because blah, blah, blah. And they give you 98 reasons. I'm saying, you will never be ready. You will never have enough money to have babies. Never. You will never be smart enough to raise children. <laughs> it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> I would still be waiting. I'm still not ready for babies. I have grand the child now. I wasn't ready for my three, you know. And I never had enough money for them. I still don't. But you do those kind of things. You don't wait forever. We can't wait forever to be perfect. We need to go after what God's given us now. All right, older believers, this is an important one this morning, tend to leave this to younger believers. Older believers tend, and that's why I'm saying, it's what happens as a Christian. This is the truth. I've been a Christian for 30 years now. Some of you in this room have been a Christian longer. I have heard 70,000 messages preached. You know, I have been to dozens and dozens. I have read, literally, I have read the Bible from front to back probably 35 times. Okay? I have read it. I've listened to people preach. I've been to conferences. I've been to retreats. I've been to Bible studies. I have been to so much stuff. It's like, ah, when is this going to end? That's the way you feel sometimes. Well, as a pastor, it is my job to do those things. That is my job. Okay? I'm not necessarily going to them for me. I'm going to them for the people who are there. But what about Joe Bo Blow Christian who's been a Christian for 30 years and he's still doing that and he feels that way? And what is created, we have, as we have talked about, we have a group of older Christians in the body of Christ today who are just dead. And I understand they're dead and I understand their fatigue. 
is they're tired of doing that stuff. They don't want to go do that stuff no more. I don't blame them. I tell them, don't do it. <laughs> You've already done it 27 times. <laughs> Why are you going to do it again? I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Bible. Keep reading the Bible. But I'm saying, you know, you can only be equipped so far. And then guess what happens? It's like a bunch of soldiers. They've been trained to fight. They don't ever fight. They start killing each other. Start raping women. You know, just doing all kinds of vile stuff. <laughs> That's what happens to Christians. You train a soldier to fight, you need to find a war for him to fight in, or he's going to mess you up. There's no such thing as an army doesn't have a... It's just not a good thing. You train men, you train these men, you put them, on, put them somewhere they can let this training get released. And so we have older people who leave it to the young ones. They're on fire for the Lord. They're vigorous. they got time. I don't have time, man. I'm working 55 hours a week. They're trying to pay for these kids that I wasn't ready to have. What am I going to do? You know, now I've got to go to this next thing. I'm never going to be a full-time preacher. That is not what God called me to do. What are we going to do for people like that, which are 99.9% .9 of the people that are Christians? You know, we need to be able to figure out a way to help them. And we need to figure out a way the other one of, of people who, who, are, who are in the ministry to have their focus right. I believe the gospel is the answer for them. Because I tell you, it'll put passion back in you. It'll put passion in you. It's meant to. That's what it does by its very nature. And once it grabs you, it, it, it won't let go of you. It really won't. All right, believers have not been properly trained and therefore shrink back from stepping out into the unfamiliar realm of evangelism. Again, we have spent a lot of time in the past few years, and rightfully so, training people in the prophetic, training them how to pray for people. You know, those are wonderful things. Please, let's don't stop doing them. Okay? But think about it. How much time in the past few years have we spent training people how to evangelize? Not a lot. And there's something wrong with that. Read the Bible. Like I said, read the Bible and, and their focus. You see, we, we, we've gotten things set up sort of out of order a little bit. Let's don't stop training people how to prophesy. Let's don't stop. Yeah, let's pray. Let's... But let's get back to the origin. Let's get back to the main thing where we serve God, where we, what, that, the thing that we're separated into, and it'll fix, it'll fix some things, I believe. And I believe the power of God will get released. I believe the power of God. I personally believe I may be stupid, okay? It may have been that... Uh, who prayed for David this morning? Pam Jolly. Maybe Pam Jolly just has a tremendous healing anointing on her life. Okay, when she prayed for him, he was all excited over there lifting his arm. Man, if you had a hurt arm, you can't lift it no higher than that. You'd be excited. Well, here's what I really believe, though. I, I believe that God responds to his message. That's what I really believe. I believe that's where healing comes from. It comes from the gospel. That's why Jesus had such a tremendous ministry of healing and deliverance. Because what was he going around doing? Preaching the gospel. Yeah, so we really need to get a hint from him. Like, well, he seemed to know what he was doing. I had a pastor one time tell me this. That's what he told me. I couldn't believe it. I got in an argument with him, man. It was bad. This was at a pastor's meeting. Never get in an argument with pastors at pastor's meeting. Get you in, out of trouble. He said, well, this is really the truth. You know, when, by the time Jesus' ministry ended on the earth, he didn't have many followers. What he did didn't work. That's what he said to him. I said, what do you mean what he did? It didn't work. He said, no, all the healing and all that preaching he was doing, that stuff didn't work. We need to... I said, you mean to tell me we know a better way than Jesus now? He said, yeah. You know, this is how we need to, to present the gospel. He was telling me, I said, you mean to tell me you're really serious about that? 
I just said, no, nah, I'm not going for that. I'm sorry, we just drawing a line right now. That is not the truth. Like, we know better than Jesus. But yet, you think about it, the church seems to think it does because we're, doing, we're not doing the things that He did. Like, we know a better way of getting people saved. Let's present this real friendly, easy gospel to them. It's not going to cost you nothing. It's easy. Nobody's going to offend you. It's all, going, all that stuff. You know, and that's not really the Bible. So, are y'all with me still? Come on. I'm trying to help you. Trying to help me. All right, let's look right quick. I'm going to go through these real quick, okay? If we want to be equipped to preach the gospel, let's just see what the Bible says. First of all, this is the one thing you'll find out. All four gospels basically concluded with a command from the Lord to preach the gospel. Okay, let's look at those right quick. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 24, verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And John 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. That right there, when I thought about it, I thought, wow, that's enough evidence right now. I'm going to prison if I was being judged by a court about preaching the gospel. Because I have, you know, because it's clearly stated here, you are supposed to do that, Byron. That's what you're supposed to do. Jesus said do it. All right. But he didn't stop just there. Uh, look at Acts verse 1. Uh, I mean, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. So the gospel said it, and then we jump into the book of Acts. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you what? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The stated purpose in the Bible for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to preach the gospel, to be a, a witness to Christ. It is not all the other things. It is all the other things. It is speaking in tongues. It is gifts of the Spirit. It is raising the dead. It is all those things, but the purpose, the main purpose is that. Those other things are wonderful fruits, but that's the reason for it. And we emphasize the other, and I say, yes, let's emphasize the other, but let's don't de-emphasize this. If we have to weigh it, at least it needs to be 51%, 49%. And, we, and we're way away from that. All right, here's some other scriptures. Are y'all with me? Somebody is. Verse Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. So that was Jesus' Jesus's stated purpose of why He came into the world. That's why He came was the gospel. That he said it. That's why I've come. Now, now that's pretty, pretty clear. He didn't say, I come into the world to have a healing ministry. I come into the world you know, to have a, a deliverance ministry. He didn't say that. He said, I came to save people. Which, oh, by the way, includes those things. You know? See, you see what I'm trying to say? I see what I'm trying to do is just shift our thoughts, shift our focus back to where it should be. Let that be the thing that drives us. All right. Uh... Luke uh, 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come uh, to seek and save that which was lost. In other words, what it's saying here is Jesus did not take a passive, indifferent approach to evangelism. He was aggressive about it. He sought people out to save them. 
That's what he did. He went after it. He knew, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm going to do. In other words, if I came in here one day and my job was to, carpet, to, to, to vacuum this floor, I would go get the vacuum cleaner. I would plug it in. I would go after it and get it done. I wouldn't sit around and, you know, think about it, theorize about it, determine, you know, how does a vacuum cleaner work? How does electricity work? How does this work? I would just grab the stupid thing and start pushing it and let it do what it does. And he, that's how he did He knew it. He knew the thing would work. So he went after it. And that's why Jesus had such a powerful ministry of miracles. Listen, he did not have that powerful ministry of miracles because he was God. He had that powerful ministry. You know, that's the truth of the, of, of the Bible, that Jesus came as a man and he preached the gospel and the gospel has power and therefore it was released through his ministry. And he said that we could do that. And in fact, he said, you need to be doing that. Go do that. We can have that. We want that. We want to see people saved. We want to see people healed and delivered. And the way you do it is you make the gospel the focus. Now, that's the Bible. All right. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure inflictions, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Number one, first, I'm going to take a sidetrack here because I want to teach people how to get messages from the Bible, okay? <laughs> this is a really a great verse. You, could, you can take this verse. Any of you who are doing teachings or preaching, you can take this verse and preach a tremendous message. There's four points in this verse, okay? You can preach them. I'll tell you what they are. Uh, and this is great. This is the way God will speak to you if you'll pay attention. Uh, number one is, is prayer. Be watchful in all things. Right there, you got you a message, all right? That's the first point. Okay? Right from the Bible. Endure afflictions. And number two, as a Christian, you realize you're going to have to go through some afflictions so you can talk to people about getting through things, endurance, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's right here in the Bible. It's a great outline. Uh, number four, fulfill your ministry. It's like I said before. Do what God's called you to do. You'll be happier. You'll be healthier. You'll grow spiritually. You will cause the pastor's or the people that you're looking to to help you, you'll cause them a lot less pain and sorrow by calling them have, because you're doing what you are supposed to do and you're under this cloud of anointing that's flowing through your life. Uh, and you won't be a constipated, stopped-up Christian. So that's a, the fourth point. And the third point, though, is do the work of an evangelist. That's what the Bible tells us to do. All Christians, you... I don't really think I'm called to be an evangelist. I don't think I have the calling of an evangelist. I have a calling as a pastor. I have a calling as a teacher. And I can tell. You know how I, can, how I know that? This is how I know that. When I'm not spending a lot of time in the Bible, I start getting messed up. Okay? So I'm really supposed to be somebody who proclaims God's Word. I know that. You may think I'm not this morning. You think, I hate that guy's talking. Okay, but I know I am because I know when I shift away from it and and think, well, I can get away, I can preach, man. I can grab those kind of verses and just randomly preach stuff. That ain't really the way it's supposed to work, baby. <laughs> you, you're supposed to be communing with God in the Word. Well, when I get away from that, and I'm not really doing that all the time, it messes me up spiritually. I do start thinking crazy stuff. Just get off on this weird thinking. It's just not the Lord. And it's like the Lord was saying, get back. you've got to get back under the anointing. But the Bible is very clear to people like me. The worst, some of the worst people in the world about not being evangelists are pastors who are stuck in churches dealing with Christians all the time, every day, day in and day out. And you don't think when you go to the gas station or go to the restaurant, there's a lost person there. You know, you don't think. You get so hung up on hang, dealing with Christians that you forget the lost. 
well, thank God the Lord has dealt with me about that. And I try to, you know, use the opportunity. Well, you know, a housewife who's at home with her little children every day uh, and sees her husband in the evening and maybe has Christian friends, well, that, you know, same thing. Um, but if you're out there in the work world, you're out there in the harvest field. There's unsaved people all around you all the time. You're the, you're the front line. I'm, this is the truth. You're like the, the, the delta force in the army. You're out there in the middle of it. I'm sort of like this, this guy, like, you know, like lieutenants in the army are really sort of looked down on because most of them are college graduates and they go and, and they have these soldiers under them that are really combat trained and combat hardened. And these lieutenants don't know Jack. And they, what they do is they get these sergeants who know a lot of stuff and the sergeants say, well, this is what you need to do. And so the lieutenant tells everybody what to do like he really knows what he's talking about. But really, it's that old hardened, combat-hardened soldier, sergeant, who never went to college in his life but been out there on the battlefield. And that's really, when it comes to evangelism, really what the church should be. The church should be coming, look, Byron, listen. This is the way you do it. This is what you need to do to help these people out in the world. Y'all should know this better than pastors. You really should. Because you should, you should, because you're out there around the worldly people all the time. You have the, you have a, a whole lot more harvest field in that in those terms than people in the ministry. I'm telling you, people in the ministry, they can get. You, go to some pastors meetings sometime. Just call your pastor. Say, can I come to your meeting and listen to some of the stuff they talk about? You would go insane in those meetings. Like, well, these are the pastors. This is no true. I know. Just also, I went to a pastors meeting one time. And I went home, I told Becky, I said, we are, now I'm the, I was one of the pastors in the meeting. I said, we are in trouble. We are in big trouble. I just went to the pastors of this whole town. They were all there. And it was the most miserable, dead, crummy meeting I've ever been to in my life. And these are the spiritual leaders. That's the way I felt. It's awful. You know, we are so messed up. Not every pastor's messed up, but... That's the way it felt that day to me because we were never supposed to have a prayer meeting. I'm thinking, please, get God, get me out of here because I hate this meeting. This ain't you. You're not here. You're not even there. You left a long time ago. You didn't even come in with us. That's <laughs> the way you felt. It was so bad. And then I asked a couple of my other friends, what do you think about that meeting? They said, oh, man, it was bad. It was really bad. I thought they were liking it. So, anyways, just to try to encourage you that you're supposed to be an evangelist. <laughs> And your pastor may need evangelizing. <laughs> that would be terrible, wouldn't it? We need to encourage each other to preach the gospel. We need to encourage you. Well, I guess my point in saying all that is you are important. You're important. You are like those. What would the U.S. Army do without those guys on the ground? They've already said you can't win a war, a, a, a war by just bombing people. They've said it. You've got to put human beings down on the ground with guns in their hands to go in there and figure out what's happening. And You, me, we're it. We're the foot soldiers in God's army. We're the ones that go out there. We're sitting here strategizing, talking, but we're the ones who've got to go out there and do it. And it's the truth. It really is the truth. Um, all right, I'm about ready to finish. Are y'all good? All right, Luke 15, verse 7. Um... So, number one, I taught you how to get messages out of the Bible. So, y'all should better do that. Not all verses are quite that easy. But if you ask the Lord, if you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal stuff to you. So, see, I never even thought about that. When I looked at it, all of a sudden I saw a four-point message. I think, wow, there's a four-point message. It'd be a great message to preach sometime. You know, but the Lord does that all the time. If you start looking for it, it's all through the Bible. 
and you might need to preach that to your lost friend there at work. All right, Luke 15, verse 7. Here's one of the greatest motivators for being an evangelist. Uh, this is what they say. I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven, more joy in heaven over one excellently preached message on Sunday morning at River Life Fellowship. You know? <laughs> or one great worship time at River Life Fellowship. Or, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't say that. But see, we or one great prophetic moment, or one great conference, or one great retreat, or one great this, or one great that. It says over one sinner. That's what the Bible says. So here's what happens in heaven. Okay, you know why there's joy in heaven? Because God said, that guy got saved, and he gets all excited about it and starts acting, acting up. You know, I can just see God acting all up and crazy, getting just out of control, jumping around, screaming and laughing and because a sinner got saved. And so that's love of God because God wants us to love what He loves. Okay, that's he really does. He wants us to love what he loves. Sometimes we don't love what God loves, honestly. You know, sometimes I've told the Lord, Lord, I really don't like that, and He said to me, "Well, I like it, Byron." Okay, now what's the picture here? I've learned this. Oh, God likes and I don't. I'm wrong, Lord. I ask you to forgive me. I like it. You know, I've changed my likes, and so God wants us to be like that. To have this love, we love God so much. Where makes God happy? And you can see God at the same time in heaven. You know, the hard-hearted uh, sinner refused to accept Christ and dies in his doomed eternity. That God's not sitting around, yeah, he deserved it. No, God is sitting in heaven weeping over the man. You know, he's weeping, he's crying. And then we, we have that heart. You see, that keeps us from being these old mean people who, yeah, you sinners, and y'all, you know, God's mad at you. And you. we were talking about this, I think, yesterday sometime about and the college campuses, these guys preach. They go out and they preach, uh, and they preach this like, the, you women are prostitutes, and you guys are a bunch of fornicators. Y'all are just a bunch of low down, you know, just being mean to them, and and you know, not tell them. Look, you know, you were messed up, but God has an answer for your life, and God loves you. And he wants to save your soul, and God's not a bad guy. You know, God weeps over sinners. He loves sinners. We were all sinners before we got saved. Thank God He loved me. I was a bad guy, but He loved me. He loved you. He saved you, and He wants us to have that same feeling. So, as Lord, we want to love you. So we want to have joy. This is a, we want this a thing that brings joy. And this is really the truth about the church. That's what I've seen. When people start getting saved in church, there's this joy that happens in the church. There really is. There's this... I'm telling you, it's much more than when, when people just get healed. And that's a wonderful thing. Okay? Or when there's good prophetic ministry, or there's a good anointing on worship. All those are great things. We want them. We demand them, really. We don't want some old crummy church service. Okay? But when people start getting saved, the people of God start getting excited because the Spirit in them is getting, getting stirred. I mean, He's getting, getting into this thing. And that's the truth. And... Uh, the last thing is Romans 9, 1 through 3. Is everybody good? So remember what we were talking about earlier. We were saying we want to equip the people of God to evangelize. We want to equip you. We want to encourage you. We want to tell ourselves, this is what the Bible says. We can do this thing. And, you know, we got, we got messages. We got messages on how to do it, <laughs> honestly. You know how? Guess what? Just like that message I gave I thought, I wonder how Jesus evangelized. So I started reading the Bible and finding out how he talked to people. 
You find all these things like, wow, that's what Jesus did. I guess that's what we need to do. I'm just going to do what he did. You know? Oh, the woman at the well. Got a word of knowledge about that woman. Well, Lord, I need a word of knowledge so I can lead a person to Christ. You know? Oh, the rich young ruler. See, greed in you. It's going to destroy you. If you want to really come into the kingdom, that you're going to have to give up your riches. Whatever it is. I mean, that's how Jesus operated. And so, you know, we can learn a lot from Jesus, but that's for another day. Uh, Romans 9, 1. Uh, I tell the truth in Christ. This is Paul. I'm not lying. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I... that. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Now that is a man who loved people. That he was saying, man, I love these people so much, I'd be willing to give up my salvation for them, to see them. He had a love, love for people. So the, I think the two greatest motivators that God wants, or the first greatest motivation is to, number one, to know that God has called you to be an evangelist, to, to preach the message, to do the work of an evangelist. You've got to know that. You've got to know that Jesus expects it. We have to know, and this is getting, let's just get down, down and dirty here, okay? We have to know if we're not doing that, we are disobeying Christ, okay? We're in disobedience. Now, we need the Holy Spirit. I'm not diminishing the work of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Again, that's another subject. But that's the first thing we need to know. We're commanded. So what we need to do, okay, Lord, I'm not doing this, you know, I'm asking you. I need some wisdom. Release some anointing. You know, show me some things. Do some things for me. Help me in this area. Okay? Number two is a love for God. That's the second thing we need to get, is that God loves sinners, and we love God, and we need to love what God loves. And the third thing is to love people. And those happen to be the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor. You know, Jesus, everything sort of tied together in Him. So that's sort of, you know, just a really a brief, I hope, exhortation and encouragement. But this is really the truth. I want you to hear this. We have felt like, and there's been prophecies about the 70s, okay? You know, in the 70s, there was a real move of God. A lot of people got saved. Evangelical, Christian music back then, if you go back to the old Christian music and listen to it, it was all about the gospel. It really was. I mean, it was, that was what was just, just infiltrating the church. I mean, the whole thing. And you heard people getting, were getting saved all the time. It was just common. You all these old grungy hippies, and they were finding the Lord. And that's what God did. And there's, you know, Bob Jones has said, prophesied that God wants to bring a spiritual climate back like he did in the 70s where the gospel is at the forefront of the church and that people are being saved and, and people's lives are being changed. And the gospel is popular with the Christians again. That it's popular. It's something that we talk about, something that we enjoy, something that we love. And we see people's lives change. God wants to do that. Well, I felt like this morning in the first service, and we don't have a bunch of older people in here, but we have some, is one of the things that I have seen, and again, we've had this concern, but you know, I'm, just, I'm not trying to think I've got this you know, inside track, but Bob Jones has you know, talked about this whole thing about the older Christians, the late 40s on up, being disconnected from the church. And what I have become to realize, because I've been concerned about that, um, that we 
as older Christians can become jaded about things. Okay? We do, we, if we're not careful because our lives are busy, our lives are full, most of us are working, you know, 40, 50, and 60 hours a week trying to make ends meet. You know, younger people have a lot more energy and have a lot more fire on them. So we've sort of said, yeah, y'all do it. Y'all do it. But what's happened to many people in my generation is we have sort of gotten, we're sort of on the sidelines. Slowly but surely, we're moving more and more on the sidelines. And God really needs the older people. We don't want to get caught up in a youth culture in the church. It's not a healthy thing. We want to have young people. We want to bless them. We want to encourage them. We want to equip them. We owe the next generation what we have. But we need a multi-generational church. We need the older people. We need them to be on fire. We need them to be the preachers of the gospel. That, we desperately need it. And when they begin to disengage, it won't be long before the younger people will disengage. It's really the truth. And so one of the things that I felt this morning is, is when we had a ministry time is to ask the older people who just felt like, man, you know, that's me. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of going to, I'm tired of going to church. I'm tired of going to meetings. I'm tired of this. I've done, how many times, and somebody said, how many times have I got to keep doing this before I'm, it's to really, but I believe the gospel is the answer. I believe the gospel is the thing that can bring the fire, bring the anointing, bring the juice in your life. Because it's the thing that's gripping us right now. It's, it's a gripping message. And I know it sounds simple. I know what I'm telling you is not anything profound and deeply spiritual. But I'll tell you, it's got a hold of me. I can't shake it. I can't get rid of it. I, I, it's like it just keeps, keeps coming back to me. And I wanted to read that. I just want to read it because I tell you, it just profoundly speaks to me. That little definition I gave you of what the gospel is. It just, it's profound. When it just, I literally had chill bumps when I sat there and thought about it, but it says the gospel in the New Testament is the good news that God gave His only begotten Son. As such, God the Father is the author of the gospel. He's the author of it. But Jesus is its decisive content. I mean, those words, Jesus is the decisive content. Isn't that wonderful? That the Lord Himself, Christ Himself, and you see, that's what makes Christianity so wonderful. He himself, he makes it wonderful. And therefore, he makes the gospel wonderful. And it goes on and says, uh, the gospel is about Jesus Christ and his holy history. His birth, his life on this earth, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and his, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. And I believe this morning, if you're a disappointed Christian, and I think there's some people in this room that are disappointed. You went out for God, and you went and went, and things didn't work out for you. I believe your answer is the gospel. I really do. You may have gotten hurt, beat up, slammed, jammed, banged, you know, and that, you know, God does want to, you know, bring the, the salvation into that part of your life. But I believe the real answer, the root answer for your life is the gospel. I believe that's the thing that will turn your life around and keep you going and bring fire into your life. So I wanted to ask anybody, first of all, any older Christians in here this morning, if you want to, and you may be a younger Christian, older may be 27 years old, like, you know, I'm old compared to my three-year-old, but that you've lost this vigor in your heart about the gospel, or maybe you've lost your vigor for Christianity. What I want to do, does anybody in this room feel that way?
Raise your hand. Well, that's good. I want you to come out here. We're going to pray for you. Come on out here. Thank you for brave Christians. Anybody else? Come on out here. Anybody else? We had a bunch of older people in the first service that came up. Is it? They got prayed for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Come on up here. Yeah. See, I had a great time talking, actually talking to these two older Christian men yesterday. And I was really picking their brain about stuff. They didn't know it at the time. Trying to feel what they feel. Because you know what? Let me tell you something. These are the majority of Christians are people like this. They not, there's not one of these people standing up here today uh, in full-time ministry. There are not any on full-time missionaries. I'm talking about what we call full-time.